Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Master wants me to be quiet now. It is time to play with the noisy toys. I love Master. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm your guest this week. My name is Greg Hugh, and I'm joined as always by your hosts, Tim Mitra from Toronto. Hello, Tim. Hey, how's it going? And Aaron Vay from Friendly Whitby, Ontario. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Greg. And Jaime Lopez from Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And not joining us from an undisclosed location that's always changing every week, Mark Rubin. Hello, Mark. Mark. Yeah, Mark is not with us. No, oh, well. Alrighty, so do you want to do the follow-up stuff, Greg, since you're doing such a good job so far? No, that's F you, all Greg, I'm doing. F you. That's all I'm doing. F you, guys. <laughs> okay, F you, all right. I think it's all so Tim we... anyway. Right, okay, so we're going to do some follow-up items before we get ripping into the main event, quote-unquote. Um, and one of them is our little friends over at Crossy Road, and I, we were having a discussion before the show, and apparently Jaime and, uh, and uh, Aaron, at least, were very concerned about Crossy Road, so... Yeah, this is great news if you are a Crossy Road player and who isn't, and if you're not, shame on you. So this is a story. I did. Did you read this, Jaime? Like, was this was this something that you read and then contributed to the show notes, or was this something that? Oh, sorry, I actually put this. You up. did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jaime could be innocent uh, as as I am, uh, having not read this story. But it's a long one, actually. It's a long read, as they might hashtag it. So the idea, though, is that Crossy Road has made ten million dollars. $10 million. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I believe uh, we had a nice long chat about Crossy Road around the time it first came out. Um, and I'm I'm happy to say that I'm still playing it regularly on my oh. iPad, my phone. Um, and in landscape, by the way, that's the only way to play. If you're not playing it in landscape, there's something wrong with you. But the idea with this game is that it's a free game that is incredibly easy on the in-app purchases. Although there are in-app purchases... You hardly have to use them at all. Um, so while the game is wildly popular, it it really put us in the mind of being concerned about the future of this game because the 
the whole idea is that there is no need to spend money in this game. So the idea is that nobody will spend money on this game and the creators of the game will make no money and then they'll go back to whatever disgusting burger-flipping job they'll have during the day when they're making CrossFit at night. And that turns out to be something of an overblown worry because here they are making, what was it again? $10 million! (laughs) What the heck? So they're doing just fine. Thank you very much. Um, but you, but you know what bodes well about that is 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 we've been talking about you know the freemium versus paid models whether you should charge enough for your app or whatever or how you know how and I think a lot of people you know agree that the freemium model is sort of the, we're driving ourselves down to the bottom or racing to the bottom but what I like about this story is that like you said you can play this game without ever having to spend a cent so they're coming at it from the point of view of not being pushy about downloading berries or whatever it is you have to download and and. You know, it's quite good. It's, it, it bodes well for independent developers that you don't have to, you know, go down that trashy road of making a freemium app that dupes people into giving you money. Well, that's absolutely true. But my, I, can I be a bit of a contrarian? You certainly can. I, I don't know. Mark's if this not is... here. You go ahead. Oh, go for it. Good. Okay, then I'll <laughs> do that. Um, see, the thing is, is that they've made major coin with this mm-hmm. game. Uh, we can't really take them as uh, an example for anyone anymore once they've reached this scale, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They've they've become an exception instead of the rule. Yeah, the Justin Bieber rule. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're part of the other app store now. You might say. Okay. So, when they make ten million dollars on a game that is light on the IAP route, then I don't think that we can we can take from that that not doing IAPs or making them very un, very non-pushy um, mm-hmm. is, is a key to success, right? I think that they just made a very good game, demonstrably very good game, that happened to be a hit. Right. So it's, it goes probably without saying that there are many great games on the platform that are not getting this attention, that deserve it just as much as Cross Hero does. Mm-hmm. So... Just the take-home here is these guys got probably got pretty lucky, I think. And I'm really happy for them. They're a success story for the iOS platform. But I don't know how much we can learn from this. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Do you think a whole bunch of – do you remember when – I forget which app it was – stopped doing the nag for reviews and then everyone started – copying that and saying, yeah, I'm not going to nag for reviews either. I'm going to put it in my release notes. Do you think there's going to be a similar thing where people will say, hey, these guys, not getting your wisdom, Aaron, of these guys being part of the other app store and how unlikely this might be, but do you think other game developers will say, hey, we should be nice and make a really cool game and not oversell the coins and maybe we'll get $10 million too? Do you think we're going to see that kind of, (laughs) you know, follow the leader, follow the chicken across the road, one might say? The... The problem, though, is that the large game houses that produce the worst offenders in this regard aren't going to give a crap about Crossy Road, an independent game, right? Mm. So I don't think it's going to change the overall behavior, you know, of what is, you know, let's face it, still a very successful business model. You know, $10 million is a lot of money, but games like uh, Candy Crush are making that every day. So how, so how are they making their money, though? I'm just trying to read that right now. Ads and IAPs. It's uh, really know, well. That that's that's their business model. I'm curious what the split is really. Like, are people really buying yeah. those characters? Because I'm just all about the gumball machine. So, that's right. 
You know, it's uh, I don't I haven't read the whole article, so I can't tell you what the breakdown is. But um, they've actually become a little more aggressive about the in-app purchases. There are um, you know better things that you can buy now than you used mm-hmm. to be able to. It's not. Um, uh, let me think here now. There are certain characters in the game, or not characters, but um, enhancements that you can get, which I think helps you get more coins. It's something to do with the coin capturing. You can still earn any character in the game, or are there some characters that are exclusive? I believe there are also now exclusive purchase characters. Yeah, because I, I, I do get the sense that, that people like to collect the characters. A lot of the people I hear talking about Crossy Road, yeah. especially the kids, are saying, oh, I got the you know the so-and-so or the frog or the chicken or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, as as there, a badge of honor, right? Yeah. There are some characters that it says are not available from the prize machine. Right. Um, Matt Hall, one of the developers, is a character. Really? Yeah. Is he grumpy? Yes. Well, you know, he doesn't have much of a facial expression, but the hair is the same with that really? right side and that s- string of hair coming down. Like oh, yeah. yeah, same guy. Cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's, it's interesting that, you know, to your point uh, from the beginning of the talk, um, you know, he it looks like he was flipping burgers a bit as a struggling video game developer, it says, from Australia, right? So, on a sheep farm owned by his parents, chasing a dream of success. There you go. <laughs> Anywho, good. Could be you. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. It's good for Marco. Good for everyone. Good um, for him. But it doesn't really affect us. And if you're if you're making a game, of course I would urge you to be sensible about your in-app purchase and your business model. Right. Um, right. But games in particular, right? Like you think of, of video games and they are so, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, idiosyncratic, you know, mm-hmm. about okay. whether it's going to be an interesting and acceptable game much less a popular one right that games are are random they're a wild card if you're thinking about making them as a business on the app store you know like they're they're a much different proposition to me than a productivity app or any you know because you've seen breakdowns of the app store and like it's games and not games, right? Those are the two types of app on the app store. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Right. So if you're thinking about making an app for the app store, you kind of got to make that decision first. Am I going to make a game or am I going to make a not game? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to choose the second one every time because, you know, I, okay, I don't have a whole lot of interest in games, but they are so wild. You just never know what anybody would care about. But how are you ever going to win high maze of climate if you don't make games? I, I got to let that go. <laughs> I just got to let it go. <laughs> and Tommy, what do you got to say about this? I I do think that they're, you know, probably the exception that proves the rule that it's, it, you know, it's kind of hard to do this sort of thing that they've done where they have a mm-hmm. non-predatory business model. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it does make it a little easier to make the argument, though. Maybe not for the big studio houses. I think they will, you know, do whatever it is they tend to do. Yeah. Um but at least for the indie devs, you won't perhaps hear quite as many people say, oh, yeah, I've got this great game idea. It's like Candy Crush, but oh, I've got this right. idea. It's like, you know, Puzzle Dragon, but and yeah. maybe you'll hear more of like, this is just a fun game. And we kind of have an idea of how we can do in-app purchases. What Crossy Road is doing here is, is really more like DLC or downloadable content than it is um, the traditional in-app purchase that that we've seen in the past several years right right and 
in terms of things being easier to do, there's been a lot of good stuff announced at GDC, the uh, game developer conference going on in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, with regards to Unity and Unreal coming up with new versions that are much more indie friendly right. and their licensing scheme. So that looks this, amazing. Yeah. Hopefully this confluence of things will make it, you will know, we'll see better products coming out of game studios, even especially at the indie level. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if, um, if you want to talk about the unreal Four engine and their new licensing model, right. Making it basically free to develop on. Um, and now they, they take just a portion of your profits after a certain point. Oh, this is the Unreal thing that was announced yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Unity, actually. Well, Unity followed uh, well, up Unity... a day later, right? With their own announcement. Right. Similar kind of thing, Greg? I think so, yeah. I, I thought they were the same thing. Uh, no, it's, no, two separate products from two separate Are companies. They? Yeah, yeah. Ha! Huh, what do you know? It's all game stuff to me. Uh, um, game well, stuff starts with you. Who knows? It's all the same thing. But no, they are two separate things. Much. I think a day apart with their announcements. Right. Hmm. Well, good for them. Um, it just uh, one somebody published a picture, or sorry, not a picture, but like an actual. Um, I don't even now, now that Greg has screwed me up. I don't know if it was done in Unity or or um, Unreal. Unity and Unreal, right? This one. Well, you know, whatever. I don't know which yeah, one no, it is. No, hang on, I just saw it. Hang on. Uh, the point uh, being that this is like um, an available 3D rendering environment that allows mm-hmm. you to create very real-looking virtual environments, okay? And so you can make a game out of it, but far more interesting to me is the uses in, in sort of modeling the real world, for example. Yeah. Like somebody posted the, uh, an environment of, of an apartment, just a, just a basic apartment that you could rent presumably and it's been <laughs> fitted out with uh, ikea furniture and it's it's as real as as anything it looks it looks like a real thing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but because it's all virtual and and done in this game engine you can change anything about it you want right so you can redecorate it you can uh right. move different furniture and you can move the furniture around i would mm. love to have an unreal or unity i don't even know what they are anymore um model of my house and I could move the furniture around in my own house without actually having to move furniture. Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you there are all kinds of applications for this technology. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, by the way, is this is done in Unity. Uh, actually, they say they tell what they how they built the app in in, uh, in the credits. But this was done in the Unity engine, and um, it's something like um, uh, reality. What's what's the one? What's Brianna's game? Uh, Revolution sixty. Yeah. So Revolution sixty and that kind of that's done in the Unreal Engine. That's more that's that's the difference I see from look and feel in terms of how you're looking at games. You know, God of War, that kind of stuff, that kind of look and feel. Although I, I realize I just realized as I'm talking to Aaron, you know, no idea what I'm talking about. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well let's move on to the next uh, follow up item, which has to do with which is something that's going to be talking about in a few more minutes about uh, um, on the big announcement coming up on Monday. Um, and that is a follow-up article um, by, I forgot the name of the guy, but I'll put it in the show notes, about Pebble versus Apple, basically saying that it, this isn't a David versus Goliath kind of story, as you know, the internet has kind of exploded and uh, said. Essentially, if I remember the story he or the article, he basically says that, um, and to Aaron's point about last week about Apple creating an, a pricing umbrella for um, uh, Pebble to exist under, he thinks that there is this is good for Pebble that actually Pebble's got uh, 
the product, uh, the Pebble Time and Pebble Steel, have enough space to, to work and sell to clients who aren't necessarily going to go to a, a watch, for instance, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's worth mentioning that people agree with us. Me, me, yes, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> which is which is nice to see. It always is. This article posted on LinkedIn by John Abel uh, sort of outlines his thinking on how Pebble stands against Apple uh, as the Apple Watch gets announced very shortly, and. I think uh, he's really smart because he agrees with me, obviously, that there is something to be said for another smartwatch existing below Apple's price umbrella. And uh, they're going to get some nice shelter from the rains because there's going to be people interested in the smartwatch that will not want to buy Apple smartwatch. And I, I, I hope we can talk about the pricing thing a little more when we talk about the March 9th event. But... Um, something that he brings up here is the idea of watches, a smartwatch's purpose and sort of the change that is happening in the mindset towards smartwatches is a move away from watches as a standalone device to one that's tethered to your phone. And it's really the smartphone that makes the smartwatch as we're about to know it possible. So um, he credits Pebble quite rightly as the originator of that idea because when they first came out with their smartwatch, um, it was exclusively the domain of a, of a smartphone, sort of a, a tether to that with the notification systems. And, uh, you know, noting, of course, that Apple is all over that, that you can't even use an Apple Watch without a phone in your pocket. So um, he predicts, and I think I agree with him, that, that Apple's entry into the market is going to raise all the boats. Um, so we're going to see more Android Wear phones, or watches, rather, which is kind of unfortunate, but of course, I think Pebble stands a pretty good chance too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it was it was as we mentioned last week. It was a stunning sort of uh, tactic for them to use Kickstarter to to get their get momentum. And Ooh. by the way, I have, I, did I read correctly? Some people actually managed to get the price of the watch at half price, like or almost eighty dollars. The first early adopters. No, that's eighty dollars mm-hmm. more than the original to get the upgrade your order to the steel. I think that's what you're looking at. Oh, okay. So that was what just came out yesterday, I think. So if you back the project for whatever one fifty, one sixty, whatever you got, then yesterday's announcement oh, okay. was the steel. And if you want to upgrade your pledge by eighty dollars, then you can get that. That's what that is. I think. I think that's right. what you're so, so, but the early adopters from last week were paying one one seventy nine, if I'm not mistaken, to get the first batch of uh, one forty nine times. Right? It was one fifty nine, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, did you get one? Yeah, I was. I was in early. <laughs> one thing I wanted to point out about that 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 happened since uh, since last week's show was that the Pebble uh, Steel got added to the mix in that. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, so that wasn't part of the original Kickstarter. The right. yeah. uh, once they reached a certain plateau, they announced this uh, this new steel branded Pebble watch. Um, and if you look at the photos, then you kind of get a rather heavy Apple Watch vibe about it. Uh, yeah, but the steel the steel is the product that was out before Apple Pebble Time came out, right? Yes, but it's like this is like the Pebble Time steel. Oh, I see. What you know what I'm saying? saying? So it's not yeah, like yeah. it's not the same watch. It's yeah. the um, it's like the steelified version of the new watch. Okay. Does it come in pebble gold? Yeah, that's really? that's the thing. It's the, it's <laughs> it looks like an Apple edition watch. Oh, really? Oh, I see. I right, mean, not right. identically, but yeah, yeah. You know, they've they've obviously done this with that watch in mind. 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think the timing think was just impeccable. You know, getting the cool in the same way. The about same cool. watch kind of things the week before Apple's announcement, and then the Kickstarter taking off, and then the Time Steal announcement the next day. They're really kind of. I don't know. If I were unkind, I would say they have to get all the orders in before Apple announces things and takes over the world. <laughs> but I think it's a really good move on their part to get it all ahead of time. And maybe Apple appreciates it, seeing what a huge response they've gotten. And now the folks at Apple are saying, oh, okay, we'll sell our $5 million that we're that we're building and sending over Ooh. in a shipping container. Cool. Exactly. Well, the moment has arrived when Aaron gets to tell us about his feelings about the March 9th announcement. I'm so excited! From Apple! <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the best, guys! I'm going to mute myself okay. and just sit here and, and listen. <laughs> Get your popcorn, Greg, because you're going to sit back and be entertained. Put your head back. Here comes the drill. Um, we got a number of questions that we want to have answered by this event next Monday, right? And I think chief among them is sort of the pricing and distribution plans around the watch, right? We know that Apple's going to be talking about the watch. Let's take that for granted, step one, all right? Mm-hmm. But what is Apple going to do about the pricing? Everybody's talking about the edition watch and wondering how much that thing is going to cost. Right, right. They're talking about the gold and they're weighing it out and gold is $1,000 plus per ounce. Uh, so how much is this watch going to be? And how many Troy ounces do they have to buy? Yeah. 70, 70, 750 tons or something Something like crazy yeah. like that. Yeah. Quantity discounts, selling, you know, getting their own mines. And oh my good Lord, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. The speculation is out there like crazy. Wow. So it's, it's a really exciting time. Um, I don't even know what it's going to be. There, I, I think we could all maybe take a moment uh, towards the end of this talk and, and have our guesses out there as to what the pricing is going to be. Mm. Everybody's talking about the edition pricing. I'm actually very curious to know myself about the other pricing. Yeah, so, the low-end side. Yeah, yeah. Like not, I think we, we probably got a pretty good idea about the sport edition being 349 U.S., with a plastic band. With a with a fluorolastomer band, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the what's the regular Apple Watch price going to be? What's it going to be with the steel? Or what's the link? leather strap going to be? What's the yeah, steel exactly. Like, what are all those prices going to be? How's it going to lay out? Mm-hmm. Now, sometime in the last weekend, um, friend of the show Farley Caesar posted what I believe turned out to be uh, a totally made up. Apple Watch price list. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. It laid it out all the way through the line from the the basic sport watch with a floral elastomer band to the regular watch with the various metal bands and leather bands up through the edition with plastic leather and metal bracelets, all right? Mm-hmm. And so um, to me, as I was looking at that list, and it was just basically... This is it seemed reasonable because it's so plausible. It's it's classic Apple. Every every change in the watch as as you go from sport to plastic and metal bands to regular Apple Watch with plastic and metal bands and leather to the edition with plastic leather and metal bands, each one of those is a separately offered product in every combination. So there's probably like 15 or 20 um, actual items in this list and each one steps up by a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars you know mm-hmm. so my my impression that I got looking at this list was 
how much does the watch cost? The answer is how much money have you got? <laughs> you know? And, and that's actually very similar. You know what it reminded me of when I was looking at it was the current slate of iPads that Apple offers. Now, I know I've complained heartily about Apple's current iPad lineup because it's the same thing. How much is an iPad? How much have you got? Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because yep. they offer a ridiculous iPad that nobody should buy, the iPad Mini 2, or sorry, the original iPad Mini, that nobody should buy. And that's, that's sort of the price they advertise, uh, starting at, you know, 349 I think. You know, it's something ridiculous like that. It's very similar to... So this, this huge range of products, okay, that's the idea here, is that you have a huge multitude of choice. So... If you're looking to buy something in this product line, you really do have to decide how much money you want to spend and then consider which actual device you want to take home with you. And to me, that just feels wrong, right? I, I, like, I look at the watches and I say, I like the steel watch, the regular Apple watch in dark steel with the dark metal band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like to look at that one. Okay. So how much is that going to be? It's probably going to be about $800 given what I saw mm-hmm. in that list and knowing what I do about Apple and the way they're probably going to price things. It just feels right. That feels like what Apple's going to charge. And that pisses me off. Allow me to interject <laughs> with my thoughts here. I haven't really thought about it as closely down to, you know, each specific, um, you know, watch strap and the difference in, if any, in pricing between the larger model and the smaller model. Um, I think my thoughts are right in line with something that uh, Farley tweeted, you know, friend of the show, Farley, where, of course, we know the sport edition is, is 349. I agree with that. Obviously, it's a no brainer. Um, the regular edition coming in at 499 feels about right. seems like about mm-hmm. the right price gap that they would probably do with Apple. And then the addition starting at four nine 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 seems about right as well. Just because I'm not ready to take the plunge into the ten k round, otherwise it'd be you know nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. That's almost exactly what I was going to say, but I think this time I feel like like Aaron was saying how the lowest end iPad is the one that no one wants to buy, no one should buy, and they just but they just want to say starting at two forty nine or whatever it is for the original iPad Mini. And I think starting at three forty nine for this one is actually it's it not disingenuous. I think people might actually want that one, which is which is fine. But four ninety nine sounds like a good step up. It's not quite a hundred dollars up, but it's sort of like the if you want the cellular version of the iPad, that's I think one hundred and thirty bucks on top. So this feels because those cell chips are so expensive. So yeah, this this feels like the same kind of thing. It's one hundred and fifty. It's just under five hundred. It's a good price point to hit. But I would go as far as to say the expensive expensive watch. It's such a jump to go, and plus I think four ninety nine and four nine nine nine, if that's the right number of nines, is so close that it it almost feels like they're, they're not going to do that. They're going to have a different digit. But I would go as far as to say the expensive, expensive one is going to be something crazy like nine ninety nine, and it's not going to thousand dollars. Yes, it's not going to be as expensive as people think. Maybe even two thousand dollars. Yes, yes. Really? Not even. It's not going to be five digits or whatever that people are saying. I'm going to say it's going to be. Much cheaper, maybe maybe two thousand dollars tops, nineteen ninety nine, but it's going to be yeah. something more around that range instead of five thousand. Well, that's true. How, how do you make how do you make a watch that's made out of gold? That's that's you know I've had 
pure gold rings and stuff like that. And they're like soft as butter. Like, how do you do that in, in such a device? They're right? making so, an 18 carat gold, right? So, right. The, so 18 carats is actually a, a, a meaningful measurement, right? It yeah. means that it's um, out of 24 carats pure gold, right? The rest sure. of it is an alloy. And right. Apple is claiming that they've created a gold alloy that is oh, super gold, strong. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, this isn't 24 karat gold. gold. I mean, 2.0. It's better right. than gold because it's not pure gold, right? That's the idea. That's the idea, yeah. exactly. So it's going to be able to withstand things and scratches and things like that, right? So Well, and we don't know much about the, the actual devices. Do you think they're going to have different memory configurations in them and stuff like that? I mean, you know. That to me, would just be a fractal explosion of possible skews. Well, then, that was exactly, that's, that's totally what you were saying about the, the, the iPad argument, the fact that they have too many arg- iPads on the market right now. They were better when they had three. Yeah. Well, it could two. just be the solid gold <laughs> comes with 16. I forgot, I forgot how much they're putting in these things, but it could just be the solid gold has 16. We don't know. The other ones yeah, have eight know. or something like that. Like, it, it's not like you can get the gold in eight or 16. It's like, no, the gold just gets 16. And then that's it. So that's that's a possibility. But I have a feeling they're not because then people will say, oh, do you have the gold? Because then you have more memory. No, no, nobody's going to think about, oh, I want more memory in my watch and I can have more apps. And I don't think that's a complication that they want people to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Greg, you, you worked on the uh, – the um, you did a, a video series on the Apple Watch. Video you? series for who, Tim? For RayWonderlick.com. Ding! Ding. <laughs> I actually have a. I was gonna. I have a dog clicker here that I use for our weekly calls. When someone says um or uh or you know or that oh, kind really? of thing, then yeah. I uh, yeah. I click. So I was oh, gonna do that, cool. but I wish I had a little ah. ding thing, but unfortunately I don't. Uh, sorry. Oh, I found the link. Hang on, here it is into the Skype chat. That's still working, right? Yeah. This is the thing I'm talking about, and um, it's been it's been uh, claimed not to be the case, not to be true. Mm-hmm. But give that a look. Okay. A lot of pictures. Well, so. They're not loading. None yeah, of the pictures so are loading for me. They work for me. I like the Mickey Mouse watch. Can you get that one? You can get the Mickey Mouse on all the watches. That's one of its faces. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Did Disney buy Apple? <laughs> Sorry, did Apple buy Disney? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this, is, this is cool. This is cool, actually. It, it seemed credible because of its very simple okay, so what presentation. So, what do they think a leather, leather strap is going to be worth? Because, you know. I can't see myself wearing the phyllo plastic, whatever it was you said. Floral elastomer, Tim. Yeah. Come on, get with the times. But here, mm. you know, like right at the top, right? You want the silver aluminum watch. That's the three forty nine, sure. and that's for the thirty eight millimeter. So if you want the forty two, it's three seventy nine. Separately for forty nine dollars, that's a good, yeah, good call there, eh? Seems. No, I'm, tr- I'm yeah. sure you're going to get a band with it. I okay. think so too. Yeah, I think you'll get yeah. a band with it. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's why the fifty dollar band sold separately. But if you want yeah. the black, you got to step up by fifty dollars. Yeah, so yeah, see that's. That? Do I? It's like shades of Mac. I was going to say shades of Mac plastic MacBook. Yeah. Yep. Not unprecedented. Mm. So Not it could at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one mm-hmm. I want, say, is in this picture, a thousand dollars. The Apple Watch, black stainless steel with the black stainless steel link bracelet. 42 millimeters, 999. You don't want the Milanese loop? Everyone was talking about that and how I, I would just I want like to play with the loop that. without the watch because it looks that cool. seems that cool. It does seem that cool, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I was thinking about this the other day. I wonder how pickpockets are going to deal with these watches. I don't know. Probably you know, great. Probably well, you great. know how they can, they, they've got the whole tricks for how to get them off people without you knowing it, right? So. Yeah. 
But, okay, so tell me what you think of these prices, even though we know that they've been disproven. Um, they're not from Apple. They've been made up by someone. Well, but. from my perspective, I totally see the, the leather leather strap being, you know, at least, you know, closer, $20, if not $40 more expensive than the, the plasticky, sorry, I won't get the terminology right. The, the fluoroelastometer. Yes. Okay. Elastometer. <laughs> that sounds good. Was that what it said? <laughs> measuring you, device. No, that's what you Fluor, say. Fluoroelastomer. Yeah. Oh, it's no no meter. Okay. Okay. Right. Sorry. That's the Canadian version. Fluoroelastometer. It's not. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, anyway. of course. The, the, it'll be it'll be the plastic followed by the leather followed by the yeah, metal. Right. Yeah, Obviously, that's yeah. you know it makes sense. I think I think the one for university students is definitely the silver with the white band. Thinking the, back to the old white MacBooks, right? Yeah. I'm surprised they're not making a plastic watch for the university students. Hmm. What do you think of the pricing? What do you think of 38 millimeters versus 42 millimeters being different prices? That was something that a few people were wondering about whether they would be or whether it was like, ah, it's close enough that we'll make them the same price and not penalize people with large wrists or whatever. Hmm. And it's a huge difference. Yeah, but you saw and you saw the printed pieces that I did. One's the thirty-eight and forty-two. They're not that much difference in size, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but when you get to the stainless steel, a hundred-dollar difference between the two. That seems like a that seems like a insane crazy. Well, obviously, like you said, these prices are not real, supposedly. But supposedly, are they going to be different prices for the two, or will they say no? You get either watch, and it's three forty-nine. Or are they really going to charge twenty dollars more, a hundred dollars more for them? What do you guys think? Depends on how many thirty-eight millimeters they want to sell. Because they're going to sell a lot of them. Well, people are going to choose the size based on how it looks on their wrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. True. Not yeah. not based on the dollar amount. Oh, you don't you don't think it's gender specific? Well, I, I think you know there's a certain element of that. The smaller is a lady's size, and the larger is a men's size. But yeah. I think I think men and women will choose the different sizes. Um, Sorry, Greg, I interrupted you. What were you saying? I was just saying for a MacBook. If you buy the 13 and the 15, there's a functional difference. You don't feel as bad saying, oh, I don't have a lot of money, but I want the big one. It's like, well, the big one is a bigger screen and whatnot. So, yes, you have to pay. For this one, it seems like, oh, I have small wrists. So, or I have large wrists. So, why do I have to pay more? It seems a little more, it seems a little different. I I don't get as good a feeling about charging more for these four extra, I guess it's diagonal millimeters as well. That's that's such a small amount that it feels like. It is a fractional amount. I just assume that they would be the same price just to be nice like that but i don't know i can't I, if we looked at the bill of materials i'm just curious about what the actual difference is and whether it's enough to say no it's, a, it's such a larger screen we have to charge 30 dollars more that's that's a bit of a surprise to me oh, apple does that though and, and don't forget too the three of us are going to have to pay 50 dollars more because it's coming to canada right at least yeah, yeah so it's yeah oh and then the exchange rate yeah I forgot it's not gonna be 50 dollars it'll be even more than that yeah. yeah we don't even have 99 cent apps anymore i'm so upset yeah yeah I, I don't know. I, frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, heavily opinionated either way on whether the sizes will be different. Um, but the thing that rings true about this, this list is the stepping up, the constant stepping up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, uh, which I find somewhat problematic. And it's, it makes me wonder what people will do when confronted with such a, an amount of choice, you know? Well, do you remember what I said at the very beginning of when we just first started talking about the watch way back when, when the white building was there, right? Was that I, my, my gut feeling was that they're going to have to open up separate boutiques to sell this kind of stuff. Cause this isn't the kind of thing that a blue shirt can sell you. 
right? A blue shirt can't help you make make the decision between, you know, uh, steel and aluminum and gold, and you know, certainly can't help you pick the right watch band. Whereas someone who's in tune with that type of purchase, you know, a fashion purchase, um, would would be the person running would be the one dealing with you in the store, right? So that's a, this is totally like uh, going into a beauty or sorry a jewelry store and buying you know, uh, something specific to your person and your character and your lifestyle. Or at least that's the case for the more expensive watches. Well, right? it's true. Yeah. I, I you know, you, so do you think you can go into the Walmart and buy the, the sport customer version and I wouldn't be surprised off, you know, wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be mm. surprised. Um, but I obviously you wouldn't see an edition watch in Walmart. Right. And so that's one of the questions that we're hoping to have answered on Monday is, you know, what's what's the sales mechanism? How is this going to go? And one thing we can write off right now is a remodeling of the Apple store. That's not happening, obviously, because we would have seen it it already and that hasn't happened. So we're waiting for Microsoft to close their store so they can take over. I think what we're going to see is um, these watches are going to be sold in Apple stores, Mm -hmm. right? And they're not going to be yeah. sold off and sold in some sequestered area mm. uh, because you know it hasn't been done yet. Unless you know, we hear some Apple stores have upstairs areas where conferences happen, and this might be a private area where maybe you could try on a a more expensive watch. But for the most part, and for most of the watches they sell, yeah. they are going to be in the main part of the store. Well, you do know that at the, at the, for instance, at the Yorkdale store, I think they have a separate room outside, away from the store where you can go and pri- have private business meetings. And that that is stuff. correct. Yeah. Yes. That's already happening, right? So yes. And a couple the of the other people. stores have that. I think the, I yeah. think I read the story about, or the Grand Central Terminal store in New York City has, well, it's in the, it's in the train station. There's a lot of little nooks and crannies where there's a little corner for an iMac and a little corner for this. And some people were saying that's going to be perfect to have the little watch corner where the, I think there's a few steps right. you go up and then there's a small little room and they could easily put, you know, a nice velvet rope in front and have that be the watch, try on watch room or something like that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. We'll see. I, I think that's, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see that. Um, I think, you know, as an overall comment, if we we're going to tie this up is <laughs> um, the Apple watch presents a brand new product category for Apple. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not just another type of computer, but it's a, it's a whole new type of product for a whole new type of customer. I think, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think that's part of what we're grappling with here when we talk about the different versions of watch and how much they're going to cost and whether it's going to be a five figures because they're, they're using their prowess with computing mm-hmm. as the foundation of a luxury good. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're shipping a sport watch at a lower price to sort of make it accessible to everyone. But they are putting a lot of focus on the more expensive watches as a way to introduce themselves as a luxury brand, to give mm-hmm. themselves cachet with a type of customer that they have not normally addressed. And I think a lot of us are uncomfortable with that. I think I am, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to come to terms with my feelings about this, to be In honest. In what way are you uncomfortable? Because I look at the focus that the edition watch in particular has, even, even the regular watch, which I think the consensus is really clear on. It's, it's going to be a, a pricey item, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the first 
product that Apple has made, if this pricing bears out, that disconnects utility from cost. Do you know what I mean by that? Where you look at the actual guts of the hardware and the $349 thing does the same thing as the $20,000 thing. They, they are wrapped in different materials and therefore cost different amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we have problems with that. And I, I'm sure I do, right? Because Apple's never done that before. That you could do the same thing with each of these watches, but you can pay a vastly different amount of money for them. I think that already happened, though. Like, I think the difference here is that Apple is taking a more active role in this. In terms of being like a luxury and, and, and being a brand and whatnot, like that was already kind of happening in one circumstance, right? And that if you're, you know, if you're well-to-do and you have money, you are statistically much more likely to be an Apple user, right? You're not using a Lenovo laptop. You're not using an Android phone. You've got a MacBook Pro and you've got an iPhone, um, especially like the celebrity level, right? And then there were already this sort of like cottage industry around Apple products with like, hey, here's an iPhone 4S, but it's gold and studded with diamonds. And that's money that doesn't go to Apple at all, other than the base model itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Apple is Apple is still going to sell this, the same device to the multimillionaire and to you and I, mm-hmm. right? Like, we've got the same iPhone as the richest guy in the world does, right? Yeah, he has a gold quick case, though. Well, so what? But he, did, he didn't get it from Apple. Porsche. Yeah, but he didn't get it from Apple. That's my point, is that That's this true. is the first That's time true. Apple's going to sell something that nobody can afford, right? Mm-hmm. Except for the very richest people, mm-hmm. the 1%, mm-hmm. the fractions of a 1%, right? And that, I, that marks a serious departure for Apple. You know, if you read that Johnny Ive article from The New Yorker that we talked a little bit about last week. Yeah. It becomes clear that that Johnny Ive is the one who kind of pushed for this, and he met some resistance inside the company, but he got his way. And I think history is going to look back on this time as a watershed event for Apple. It's the first time that Apple has started selling computers that are not for the rest of us. Hmm. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, though. One thing I notice as, as I walk around these days is that, you know, when when I first started w- working with Mark a couple of years ago, he was surprised to find out how many Blackberries there were in Ontario. And, you know, you, you, everywhere it's you still every, nuts. No, but I mean, <laughs> everywhere you went, you saw a Blackberry. And, you, and you, you know, I remember the first time I saw an iPhone in, in the wild in Ontario, and it was, you know, just shortly after they came out. And, and you know, I got one early. You know, I got one before we were supposed to have them. And I'm sure many of us did. But um, just this week, I was walking around, you know, uh, at, at um, over at Mars, you know, the the research place over um, downtown and College University. Yeah. Just about everywhere I went, I saw iPhones, iPhone fours, iPhone fives, iPhone sixes. You see them on the subway all the time. You do see a fair amount of Android devices too. But it's interesting to see how how ubiquitous the iPhone has become in the marketplace, right? And this is just another extension of it. I think this is that, that's what I see. I mean, Greg, do we know what uh, does you have to have a, a, a certain level of iPhone to work with the, with the watch? Is it like is it the iPhone 5s and up or something like that? Or that sounds familiar know? from the original announcement. It might even be the five, but 
It's it's definitely not the six because it doesn't. So the so all those people, all those kids walking around with fours and whatever are just going to be throwing them in the recycled bin and. You know, it may even be iOS eight is the requirement, and I think that still supports the four S, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, four. Yes. So yes. it may actually be four S <laughs> and up. iOS eight might be the requirement from what I remember. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go over to my four. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so so that's an interesting interesting point too. So and, and to just to close up this topic is so so the March ninth announcement was kind of sort of what we were circling around here. Do we think that's going to be the okay? Here's we're going to announce the shipping date. We're going to announce the pricing, and and off we go. Like, is that what you think? Like, because Jaime and I have a vested interest in this because we both have the prices right, you know, closest to the whole, um, without going over, you know, wager here, I guess. Um, on when when it's going to be. I said April fourth for for street date, and and Jaime's thinking March, right? Yeah, right? So, I mean, and I, I was pretty close. I said second week of March will be the event, and oh, okay. I, I thought it was going to be Tuesday, but they've changed it up yet again, and now it's Monday. Yeah, what up with that, eh? Yeah, so I was super close to hitting that one, and then I think <laughs> they will start taking pre-orders, you know, that Friday. And okay. then actually be in your hands two weeks later. So it's it's almost April by the time you physically have it in your hands. But it's you think it's yeah. around the same time frame that I thought. So Jaime, you're on shipping on the 27th. Is what you're saying? Two weeks after the 13th? Yeah, I think it would be arriving. I think that's what ended up happening with the iPhone and the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could go to the stores and yeah. Well, I guess I guess so. I guess that's true. I keep forgetting the fact that a lot of this will be online ordering too, right? So well, even if you get it at the store, I mean, it, it will be physically at the store. Let's say yeah, the night yeah. before, but it's yeah not going to be accessible unless you're pilfering them in some sort of way. Yeah. I heard some people are starting to line up already. And just one last thing I also heard the other day, I think yesterday actually, that, that the health health aspect of the phone isn't going to be in the first version. Did you hear that? Yeah. Or in the watch, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard they had like problems the, with all the sensors and they ended up just going with the heartbeat sensor in the end. And the other ones were too oh, really? finicky and whatnot. Ah. They couldn't get the other ones working properly. So they figured, you know what? Step counter. Heart monitor, that's good enough for now. For version one, of course, they have to save something for Apple Watch 2. That's true, true. Yeah, we, well, we had some debate, I don't know if you heard it on the episode, we were talking about um, what are you going to do in a year's time when, when the you know Watch 2.0 comes out and, you, and you've just spent your money on the edition, are you going to go and buy another edition? Mm. You know, or, or Mark's theory might be that they might have jewelry stores that will be able to upgrade the guts for you, right? So Maybe we'll get App Store upgrade pricing at the same time. It'll be a new Apple. <laughs> Another <laughs> Apple store? No. So no. <laughs> very quickly, maybe we can do a quick around. Um, let's say that this pricing is correct. Which one are you guys going to go get? What are you thinking? I'm going to get the uh, the Sport with the blue floral elastomer. Yeah, it's tough for me. I haven't worn a watch in 20 years. The only reason I would get one is for development. So I'm going to go as probably as low end as I can. Although I'm I'm probably a leather leather strap guy, so... You know, I've been known to buy like uh, a device and and then get a, a case as a compromise until the one I want comes out. By the way, the um, what's it called? Life proof case. Life proof case for the iPhone six plus is still not shipping. Anyway, there way off it. topic. I know, Greg. Greg. <laughs> yeah, I do wear a watch day to day. I'm not, but I'm not big on spending that much money. I would probably go with the on this list space gray aluminum black fluoro elastometer. Three ninety nine, probably that one. <laughs> if I were in a spending mood, I would go two up to the silver stainless steel with the black leather classic for six forty nine. But I don't know. I would have to be in a very good mood to 
only have that much yeah, money for it. So exactly, I would probably stick exactly. with 400 bucks. That's US, of course. Again, Canadians, yeah. who knows? They'll probably be like 500, 550 in our money. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, people, people will be putting them in their socks and coming across the border, the Buffalo border. Yeah, I'll make a trip over for that. Yeah, I think I would too. It's not a bad idea, actually. All right. And uh, so, Aaron, you haven't, you, you've already let us know, but why don't you say it again? Um, Apple Sport Watch with uh, blue floral elastomer. Okay. Or elastometer as it seems to be turning into. And do you want fries with that? Could I? <laughs> Love fries. For me, I'll go. Okay. I th- yeah, I think I'll go with the Sport. Um, so the lowest end model that I can get, unless there's a price difference between the 38 and 42 millimeter. Um, and probably with mm-hmm. white fluoroelastomer. I have a white iPhone and a white iPad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay with the color scheme. Aaron, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, thanks for asking. I do. Um, <laughs> it may not just be about the watch. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, so we are looking forward to a refresh or a complete renovation of the MacBook line, perhaps mm-hmm. the Air. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the biggest rumors coming out right now is that Apple is going to ship a 12-inch Retina MacBook Air. And mm-hmm. this is something that a lot of people are looking forward to, myself included. And if Apple can choose to launch that on March 9th, I am going to be a very keen observer let us put it that way. Mm. Um, so just to reprise, if you will, we're talking about a 12-inch MacBook Air that is about the same size as the current 11-inch MacBook Air with the display that's full retina, as we have grown to love, but that goes edge to edge on the, the bezel, um, mm. along with a keyboard that's kind of the same way. So um, that's going to be a very thin and light uh, new computer, and I think it's going to become Apple's most popular shipping model as soon as it comes out because it's the one thing, I think, that sort of differentiates the MacBook Pro from the Airs right now is that Retina display, and I think bringing it to that line would be a, a huge step. So do you think it's actually going to edge to edge? I mean, from a, from a logistics point of view, like the current ones, are they're glued in place, but uh, you think it's, the, the bezel's going to go right to the edge? We're hoping so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, you know, like edged, you know, like totally to the edge, but yeah, with no, a, no, a no. much thinner bezel than what we currently have right now. That's yeah. sort of the idea. Um, Dell just recently launched a new uh, laptop that that actually does the same thing. Uh, hmm. It's it's trying to out MacBook Air the Air, and it has a very, very slight bezel around the edge of its display. It's a... 13-inch display, I believe. Yeah, I'll, I'll paste but, in the link here. Ah, thank you. And it, it compares very favorably to the 11-inch uh, MacBook Air. Hmm. So with that with that hardware out there, and this is all brought to you by the increasing uh, trend towards solid-state electronics um, and Intel's new Broadwell U uh, chipset, um, which gives you a lot greater performance, better GPU, and all that good stuff uh, with passive cooling. So it just allows them to make the, the lappy smaller. So we're, we're really hoping that Apple can come out with this thing because, it, let's face it, it's time. We haven't had a major refresh in some time now, and there hasn't been a new MacBook Air. Let me look at the Mac Rumors buyer's guide here just to yeah, I think I have the last one get up to date here. One. And it, usually, it used to be 18 months before they would do a refresh on hardware, so... 
right. Well, the uh, the Retina MacBook Pro hasn't been updated in 219 days. The Air is 310 days wow. old since its last release. Hmm. Oh, it's three months, 2013. That's right. I'm really just hoping for a MacBook Pro. MacBook Pro Broadwell. I'm just uh, a stealth. I don't even need yeah. an announcement. Just stealth update them and update the website that's and true. don't give it a mention on Monday. That's fine with me. <laughs> it really could be that simple. Yeah. I, if, if the if the new MacBook Air comes out with the Retina display, I think they're going to give that stage time. Oh, yeah. But and they'll yeah. say, and by the way, we updated the other ones too. But you know, that yeah. one's obviously the new shiny. Now, is that going to have? I, I I don't know if you guys discussed this already, but is that going to have the one funny USB C port, Aaron? What do you think? I have a hard time with that yeah. one. I got to be honest with you. We, we did discuss it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's what we think it's going to be. But we're yeah, you're right. We're we're all sort of just made at that one. You know, big time. All right. I mean, I even use the SD card on mine because I use a 3D printer and, and uses an SD card to feed it. Right. So it would be annoying if it only had one port. As it is, I I, I miss having an HDMI port on my MacBook Air because I went from um went from the uh, Retina 15 to a MacBook Air. And, and I certainly I missed the immediately missed the um, having the um, HDMI. You said HDMI. Thank you very much. But there's a lightning port, or you know, or sorry, a Thunderbolt port. Yes, that's so true. you can. Yeah, you I can do use have the Thunderbolt to HDMI adapters, and some there of them work, go. and some no of them don't. Some of them don't work. That's all okay. I have to say. I'm looking at you, Mopey. You know, it's not unprecedented for them to do that, though, uh, to sort of move things ahead before it's strictly speaking, you know, the best possible thing you could have. Um, certainly the first MacBook Air was proof of that. And in terms of like not having an SD card, well, I mean, if you live in a airdrop world, I mean, I hardly ever have to use USB, oh, right? please. Bluetooth is everything I need. <laughs> yeah, my camera has Wi-Fi now, so I used to carry around one of those lightning to SD card adapters with me all the time, but yeah, now yeah. it's like I don't even need that anymore. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with that, going everything going mm -hmm. wireless. Yeah, Tim, make sure you get that uh, link in the show notes to the Dell XPS 13, um, yes, which will. Greg has so kindly pasted into our notes here. It's some kind of a review. Maybe we should look up the actual Dell site, but this one has a lot of nice pictures, so that's why I put this one Yeah, up. yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is the one I read. I mean, it's still a plastic piece of Dell crap, but you can see what uh, the, the hardware is being capable of now and the kind of packages you can squeeze it into. So, cool. um, so we're looking forward to that. I hope that that comes out on Monday as well. Cool. Now we can move on to other things. Well, quickly then, um, we did have one other thing to talk about, and that is, Hummy brought this to the, our attention, and that is a possibly need for a software engineer code of ethics with respect to monitoring or, what was the other word they used in the article? Spying, um, perhaps. I mean, do you want to take it away? Yes, yeah, spy, yeah, spy and monitor were the two words they used. So can you uh, illuminate us on that? Yeah, so this is a blog post by Brent Simmons. Um, folks know him from Vesper and Omni and all sorts of uh, stuff. And he definitely raises an interesting question of, you know, do we really need a you know, strong binding set of ethics, just like doctors and lawyers have, where you know, it's the Hippocratic Oath, and I don't know exactly what lawyers do, but they have some sort of you know, equivalent, especially with their whole bar system. Um, it gets a little weird for software for sure. And, and he mentioned some of these things like, well, you know, what exactly is monitoring and, and when do you cross the line for that? I mean, if you're catching, you know, bugs for crash reporting purposes, um, is that monitoring, quote unquote, in any sort of way? If you're getting information about a device in terms of like, you know, was this an iPhone 5? Was this an iPhone 6 Plus? Was it running iOS 7? Was it running iOS 
Um, is that okay? Uh, we don't really have a good framework for that, right? I mean, I think everybody agrees that there are really, really bad kinds of spying, right? There are things that people really hate, sure. like yep. inspecting, you know, what apps people have installed and trying to steal your credit card and all that sort of stuff. I think there's the obvious ones. But Brent raises the point of like, well, beyond having that framework of what's right, what's wrong, we don't really have a great way as developers to say, and I'm going to quote right here, but imagine if they could say, no, I won't. That violates the software engineering code of ethics. Just like a doctor can say, no, it can't. Mm. It violates the Hippocratic Oath. I saw you were tweeting earlier today as well about um, somebody was tweeting, I think, um, I forgot his name now, a guy from Pearson, um, used to, was asked to enter an Apple ID when he launched an app. Yes. So we can morning. put that tweet in the, in the show yeah. notes. And that was uh, Chris Adamson. You probably know him. He's definitely kind of big in the Apple community. He's got several books on core audio and, and whatnot. Um, but he has a, a Dropbox video in, in that tweet that shows this app that's called uh, SharePaint Bonjour. And as far as I know, I, mm -hmm. I believe this is no longer in the App Store. So I'm assuming he sent some sort of feedback to the reviewers and, or the App Store powers that be, and they've removed it, which really? is good. So the process works as far as that. Um, but it demands mm -hmm. your Apple ID password at launch. So it's really just trying to, you know, do social engineering to trick you into putting in something that they have no right to ask for. You shouldn't have to put in. Exactly. Exactly. So that I'm yeah. sure yeah. that, you know, somebody somewhere thought that this was a good idea. And I'm pretty sure that this was enabled remotely, um, because this never would have passed app store review, but it'd be pretty trivial to configure it yes. to, you know, connect to a server and turn on some sort of information. Well, that's, that's assuming that, that Apple catches everything that goes through review too, right? So, I mean, this is so obvious. I mean, this is, if this is at um, launch, there's just no way you could have possibly missed that. That's true. That's so, true. so I'm assuming that there was, yeah, you know, yeah. the normal app store review time type stuff and they looked at it and it, it looked okay. And then it's actually released into the app store and the, you know, the developer says, oh yeah, let me turn on the evil mode. I just do that on my server. I mean, that's trivial to do, <laughs> especially with things yeah, like yeah, AB yeah, testing yeah. tools, like a mix panel or a lean plum or something, right? Like takes no effort whatsoever. Right, right. Uh, but that's the sort of thing that like, like I'm sure somebody somewhere, unless it's a lone rogue agent, like got a bonus check for that, right? Like somebody got a pat on the back from the, the evildoers that decided that this is a good thing to do. Um, it's not always as clear cut as that. Let's be you know fair. It's not totally black and white, but we don't really have a great mm -hmm. way from the software engineering community, software development community to say, Hey, yeah, that's not cool. We shouldn't do that. Like there are things that doctors and lawyers clearly cannot do. And even then they, they have shades of gray on, on boundaries, but we don't have anything at all. There's literally nothing really? we can do other than say, Oh, look, this law right here specifically says we cannot do this. And we know that those are always behind the times. <laughs> Yeah. Well, at least here in Ontario, I, I used to work in engineering. I'm not an engineer myself, but I used to work in engineering. And you're not supposed to call yourself an engineer in Ontario exactly. unless you've been yeah. registered in all of that business. And they actually do have a code of ethics. It's very, very, very vague, like looking after the public needs and having professional integrity and things like that. So there is something for some people in terms of engineers, at least. And I know a lot of software people like to call themselves software engineers with that same yeah, kind we of can't mentality. Do that in Canada, exactly. We cannot. Yeah. We're software designers, I think is what they call them at the company I was at. They just replaced mm. engineer with designer and just kind of went with that. But mm -hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I, I personally dislike engineer as a job title for anyone who builds software. I, that's not the same thing. And I guess I've been trained by my upbringing in Ontario to respect engineering as a profession, right? But Oh, no, all my colleagues um, and even my boss called me engineer all the time. You know? They were talking yeah, to clients really? like, oh, yeah, uh, Greg, our engineer, he'll come over and he'll look at it. And I was like... Well, they like to tell that to other people, right? It gives you so much authority. I, right? I, that's I didn't why they find use that. The term. I, even he thought it was really dumb. He's like, oh, yeah, there's some law. We can't call you an engineer. But he's like, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, oh, everyone who works with you guys are all engineers so i don't really make a difference and of course outside of ontario everyone is you know like at twitter everyone's an engineer of something mm-hmm. like that but yeah that, that to uh, me it is does crazy. give a little bit of professionalism just like just like jaime was saying with doctors and lawyers and so engineers also have a code of ethics so again it's very vague it's not but, specific to software but there's something yeah. there well engineer actually means something right yeah, yeah. and it's it's someone who has gone through school and learned how to build things using scientific principles and a repeatable set of of steps that they know that can achieve a desired result you know um i went to school with a bunch of engineers and mm-hmm. i know what they go through and i know what kind of people they are and software builders are not them um <laughs> well, that, that, that i'm sorry said, but there it is that and being, that being said i do have a friend who who works at microsoft now who went to waterloo and studied electrical engineering and, okay. and was learning to do software but so he's an engineer but that's not the yeah, point no you know? yeah no engineering engineering is like architecture or doctor it's it's a completely it's a higher level of of understanding of the world and how it works and and the causes of that yeah right yeah just throwing the title engineer at, at somebody is is even saying software architect is i also hear that from time to time yeah you know and i cringe and it's just not right it's wrong and um but you know to bring it back to this article um about ethics really yeah is that you know while we can agree that there should be ethics in software development there can't be unless there is a binding organization to which we belong Right. And that's that's really what this is all coming uh, down like to. The Matt Doctors... group or something? No, <laughs> no, not not at all like that. Like there there has to be either a union or a professional organization yeah. or a certification, a professional status mm-hmm. to which software developers can qualify and belong to. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is never going to happen. Well, we don't know. Never is a long time, but still. it it is. But it seems highly that would be unlikely. a tough one. I think you'd need somebody to like huge numbers of people to die catastrophically because of a quote unquote engineer who was yeah. nothing of the sort. Um, because they, I mean, the the other part for doctors and lawyers is that there are legal requirements. You cannot legally perform medicine or practice law. You know, like they, if they find you, they they throw you in jail, presumably. Right. Like there's no yeah. such thing for engineer yeah. software, quote unquote, software engineers. Like anybody who has a computer yeah. can be creating code and cranking out stuff. <laughs> and they do. My parents were engineers and I know that they had to pay dues and they had all kinds of, you know, secret handshakes and stuff that they learned and what have you. Well, so, you know, and that's, that's what it comes down to. It's that, um, and the reason that software's developers can't be engineers is because software just isn't you know, applicable to the world that law and medicine and engineering sticks mm-hmm. with, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a hill of sand. <laughs> so how, how can we, how can we be held to a standard, right? It's just too crazy. Sure. I, I have a hard time imagining it, but uh, yes, in principle, I love the idea of ethics and software development. And uh, in reality, I just can't fathom it ever happening. Cool.
cool. Anyway, so we'll wrap it up like we usually do, and we'll go around the table, and we'll see if anybody has any picks of the week. And I'm going to go to Aaron and see if you have any picks. Sure. I have uh, an app that was just launched in beta mm-hmm. this week mm-hmm. called Monodraw. And Monodraw is created by a company called Health Tone. And what it is is a very simple Mac OS X drawing app, except it produces ASCII art. Cool. And so what this does is let you create shapes, uh, diagrams, uh, text banners, all in the medium of ASCII art. Hmm. And it is a professional quality tool for doing that. (laughs) All right? So you got to see it to believe it. Right now, it is in public beta, and it's free to use during that period. Sure. If you buy it now, you get 40% off the price while it's in the beta process go to monodraw.healthtone.com link in the show notes and you can kind of see a lot of examples of it at work now the beauty of using ascii art in in creating diagrams for example diagrams and and mind maps and you know text banners and things like that is that it's easily transportable to other media right so you can take this the stuff that you create with it and you can put it into any kind of document Assuming it supports monotype text. <laughs> right, right. And, and you don't have to worry about formats, right? So, so this, is, this is monospace font kind of stuff as well? Or? Well, yeah. It rely, because it's uh, ASCII-based art, it relies on a monospace right. uh, text output, like, mm-hmm. um, like a terminal or, or sure. any text editor. Um, so you can imagine something like this being appropriate for, say, a markdown document even. Um, any place that supports plain, unstyled monotype text. Right, and so I kind of view ASCII art, although you know, incredibly difficult and intricate to create manually. With the tool like this, it could become a lot more than that, right? Right. right. Which makes it very interesting and could turn art and you know, sort of visual design into something as transportable as plain text is right now. Right. It, well, it does have a very rich history in terms of in terms of computers because I mean, of obviously, course. obviously, we started off with dot matrix printers and and green screen terminals, and and this is all we had, and this is how people were expressing themselves, right? Yep. So it's a beautiful tool, and uh, it has a lot of implications, I think, in terms of keeping your content current um, and survivable in the future. So hmm. check it out, and maybe that has something to do with your pick, Tim. Maybe it does, and maybe it doesn't. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Jaime, do you have I a do, dick? and it's almost more of a tip. And it seems kind of well-timed because Mark's not here to give us his uh, Dr. Rubin's coach marks. Um, <laughs> but a, a common problem that folks will run into with apps is your app might be completely dependent on some sort of permission or you know, instrument that the device provides. And there are definitely a lot of techniques to try to, you know, make sure that users don't say no um, to the actual system prompt. You know, you put like your own fake, like, hey, we really mm. do need, you know, GPS services or location services to make this location-based app function right. at all. So please give us that information. Um, but even then, you know, sometimes things fall through the cracks or users do things that uh, aren't really great. Um, push notifications is a perfect example of one of the hardest ones to make sure that users have if they legitimately need them Uh, and and users sometimes get themselves into trouble and they're poking around things. And um, in iOS eight, there's a, you know, a particular 
parameter, the uh, UI application open settings URL string, and that will be in the, in the show notes, so you don't have to remember that, that you can mm -hmm. send to the mm -hmm. standard uh, UI application, you know, shared application that can open URLs, right? Like you could open Safari, do these other things. But this one's really nice because it will take users straight to the settings pane for your app. So if you need to make sure that you have access. Oh, for your specific app, not, not, not settings in general, but like, settings for for you. Because another thing is, like, if a user has two hundred oh, okay, cool. yeah. apps, I mean, that might be kind of hard to find yours. And right, like any anything that you might want to say, hey, look, this is for customer care, customer support purposes. You you really need to have this, this, and this on if you want to have the full experience. Um, you can make a nice little way for the user to be taken directly there and not get lost looking for their settings app, looking for your particular app and all these other nasty things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think once you say open the settings app and then before, like, even before when it wasn't organized by app, but it was like going to the push notifications thing and then it's like you've, you've lost everybody. So yeah, having it sort yeah. of or thought like the other way around where it's organized by app and it's like, here's your app, here are the five things it needs to do, move the switches around and then come back. It's It's a much better experience and very, very cool tip to have that URL just take mm -hmm. you right there. I hope there'll be a cool. Swift version of that, Jaime, that you'll add to the show notes too. <laughs> I'll leave it to the Swift <laughs> experts to convert that. I don't think it'd be hard. Nudge, right. nudge, wink, wink. All right. You should, you should have dinged him there, by the way. <laughs> Swift is okay. I don't want to get a ding for that. No, okay. Right. No, I, 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 you know, it's funny. I'm spending more and more time in Swift because of our friends over there. And um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, liking it a lot, so... Okay, um, so our guest of honor here, Greg Io, have you got a pick? I do. Have, I'm just watching Aaron type out the Swift code, and I want to see oh, if he cool. includes everything. I think that's it. Well, that Something looks similar to that. Similar. Is that really it? Is it a class or it's a property? Right, a class property. Right. I got to break open Xcode right. to uh, right. to try it. Hmm. Anyway, Aaron will provide the Swift implementation of that. So yes, I do. Yes, I do have a pick for this. Episode. I was going to say pick of the week. I don't know what it's called, mm. but I do have a pick. We call it a pick, yeah. And it's the Mix Your Watch website, which many people have been tweeting around. And it's just mixyourwatch.com. And who I, I've, I tried to look up who it is, but it's just got an email address, info at mixyourwatch.com. So it's some anonymous person who has mm. taken the artwork from Apple's website. And you can pick the different case colors and materials and all the different bands. They have the fluoroelastomer, leather, steel, all the different styles, and you just sort of say, I want to try the gold one and the neon green fluoroelastomer. And as you click the different case colors and materials and the band colors and materials, it makes it sort of shows you what it's going to look like. So it's a really cool preview to help you spend your money. So in this lead-up to the watch, I think that's going to be my pick, so you can plan ahead your purchase. It doesn't show you the price, unfortunately, but maybe after next week, whoever this anonymous person is will update the site to also include, include the price. It's very nice, and I, I would say I would not recommend gold with the <laughs> lime green floral elastomer. Gold with the lime green? The lime green goes with everything, Jaime. I don't know what you're uh, talking about. No, that's, a rough that's one. just the worst. Oh, but you know what people are going to do? They're going to they're gonna get a blue strap and a red one, and they're going to mix it. I mean, that's okay, them, but just, you know. I mean, if you're going to pay however X amount of money it is for the, the gold edition, um, I wouldn't buy a Rolls Royce and then put bicycle wheels on it. Well, while I've got you here, what's app code? I know we got a code for that as well. Oh, yeah, it's the Xcode alternative from the JetBrains uh, people. So they do, or sorry, is the company JetBrains? Or the, oh, IntelliJ. Yes, right? JetBrains. JetBrains, JetBrains yeah. is the company. No, no, JetBrains is the company. Yes, IntelliJ is one of their That's products, right. and AppCode is their Xcode. It's like IntelliJ wannabe. for, well, it used to be Objective-C, now it's Swift. So it's just another 
editor, but it does have, I think it can refactor Swift, which Xcode still cannot, and they've already built really? that in there. Wow. And it's just got way cooler editing, you know, bulk rename, and I want to, anyway, refactoring stuff. It did a, re- a really good job with Objective-C, and it does a good job with Swift now. So ahead of Apple on but, that front. And it's been around for a while, because I've seen it floating around for a couple of years Yeah, now, it used right? to be pretty so, crappy, like it couldn't launch the sim uh, like the very early versions you know right. things like it couldn't launch the simulator now they're getting much better and it, i think you can oh, really? pretty much do everything except you know like things like submit your app obviously you still have to do through xcode or the website mm-hmm. but uh, right, right. app code yeah i don't use it myself but the people who the people who like it really love it well i know you can submit apps through the application loader you, you can submit apps through the uh ipas through the website that's how i always used to do it back in the day can you not do that anymore I sure, yeah. I think yeah. You can, you can upload it in an IPA. Yeah, okay. yep. ever since Xcode, it's much easier to do it in Xcode. Oh, yeah, ever though. since Xcode got good, I, I've just completely switched over to that. You know, the little validate button, too. I always makes me happy to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I love that green check yep. mark. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, AppCode has seen a, quite a bit of momentum over the last year and a half or so. Um, definitely mm. seen a lot mm-hmm. more people talking about it. I've got an interest in trying it out myself. And we have a new person on the iOS team over at my company uh, that I work for. Um, mm-hmm. who is an app code mm-hmm. user. So I'm looking forward to learning from them what that's all about. Yeah, you really got to look over their shoulder while they work because it's, it's very different. And the little tricks that the people who are really into it and know all the keyboard shortcuts and the things to do, it's it, sure. I, I, you know, it's like watching a really experienced VI or Emacs user and you're just amazed. It's, it kind of felt like mm-hmm. that to me. So Greg, Greg is our, on, Greg is our uh, tutorial um, maven over at raywinderlich.com. Ding! Ding. And so whenever I'm curious about stuff, I, I ask Greg. So Greg, is there are there any tutorials on that code on RayWonderlick.com? Ding. I don't think so, because that would be a tutorial on the. I'm not sure what kind of a tutorial you could do on the tool itself. So, right. Not, I don't think so. I mean, they. We, I guess, we don't cover Xcode per se, like. Or... Uh, there are like Xcode tips and tricks, I guess. I guess there was an article yeah. on that, but App Code specifically, no. Maybe maybe it's a good idea though. Get people into it. I know they did. I think they. I assume they sponsored the conference. We all got. Is that what you're talking about? We all got a promo yeah, code. Yeah, yeah, we got right? we all, yeah, we all got a promo right, code. So I assume, went there, I assume they sponsored code. or something like that and gave those away. But no, we don't have anything like that. I've seen it on the sidebar as one of the advertisers as well on on Ray's site. So, <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. So okay, that's a good idea because I would like to know from an experienced person what are those little tricks. Maybe that was on the list actually, but nobody volunteered to write one because I don't I don't think we have a lot of right. app code fans. So that's that's right, probably right. still on the list somewhere at the bottom. Yeah. Well, that's another good point, too. If any of our listeners, ha- if you have an idea or something you're curious about that you would like us to do a tutorial on, we do every month. We have uh, people um, su- sending some suggestions as what we might do a tutorial on, and then it gets voted on by the by the rest of the rest of the view- viewers of the site, I guess, right? Yeah. And I mean, even, then, even if it doesn't make win the vote, it, it, it's still be on. A, if it's a good topic, it'll still be on the list somewhere, yeah. and someone will pick yeah. it up, hopefully, sometime. Sure, cool. So that's my pick for the week, App Code. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there, Aaron? Totally did. <laughs> You've been convinced. Okay. <laughs> All right, so if you're wandering around on the internet and you're looking for Aaron Bay, where would you look? Go to Twitter, twitter.com slash Aaron Bay. Oh, speaking of, speaking of that and feedback, did you get much feedback? I know you got something from Neil, Neil North and from Fuad. Yeah. Stuff. Did you get anything um, valuable? or No. No. <laughs> Just to back up here, this is about my request last week for a screen sharing or a screen recording utility for iOS that mm-hmm. would show touches. Right. And in the interim, I found one from a, 
company, uh, Telestream, mm-hmm. makes an app called uh, ScreenFlow. Right. It's a $100 app that uh, does a lot of uh, screen recording on both the Mac and iOS and shows touches. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, does so that's it? Okay. the only option that I was able to find. Um, there are no other options out there except for post-production, which we mentioned last time. So, um, I'm having a hard time with the notion of spending $100 on uh, something I only need to use for five minutes. So The app is very good. I do use it for... I'm, I'm recording oh, yeah. the entire podcast right now with ScreenFlow. In addition to my QuickTime recording, wow. it's very... I mean, I do screencasts partly for a living, I guess, so... Yeah, obviously. Use it, but <laughs> it, it is a very good... Um, actually, our editor, Christine, she uses that to edit the videos like i thought it was just a capture app and i said no. what do you use to edit the videos premiere or final cut and she said no i use ScreenFlow." and i was like no what do you use really? to like do the editing like all the effects <laughs> and the green screen the chroma key and she's like no ScreenFlow." and it's actually a very good editor as well video and audio so if you do any of that stuff you maybe that makes the hundred bucks a little bit uh hurt a little less yeah it would but i do not okay. So I think I'll just, you know, like some kind of filthy animal, I'll just have a video without touches appearing, you know, so there you go. Well, speaking of shout-outs, I forgot to mention, too, that we should probably give a shout-out to Bill Smith and Felix Wang, who are our two patrons on Patreon.com. They've both sponsored us above the $5 level, so they deserve a shout-out from the the gang. Hey, 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 hey. Bill and Felix. (laughs) Bill and Felix, yeah. Um, so, um, uh, hi, May, if people are looking for you on the interwebs. On Twitter, at Dev of the Hair, and Dev of the Hair.com. All right. And, Greg, where can people find you? That sounds just like me. I'm Greg Heo. That's Greg H-E-O on Twitter, and GregHeo.com as well. Well, there you go. And, once again, my name is Tim Mitra. I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A at Twitter, and... What was that other one? Ello, I think it is. And uh, what was the other new one we were talking about a couple weeks ago? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. I am not kidding you. Oh, I had no idea. And Pinterest and probably, no, not Cyberdust. But uh, Cyberdust, that's right. That's what I was talking about. Thank you very much. Right. Well, this ASCAP Um, would do really well on on an Ello post because they use that monospace, (laughs) right? So put those two together. Perfect, perfect. And Twitter, go. and Twitter. Don't forget Twitter. We can do the, now we can now we have a tool we can do the shrug in, right? <laughs> Alrighty, so I guess we'll uh, see you guys next week. Everybody say bye. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar amount. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. That was exciting. Thanks, Greg. That was my first podcast ever. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. We could say something crass, but we won't. Um, was it enjoyable? It was fun. It was like hanging out with a yeah. bunch of guys and talking. That's what it felt like, you know? That's what it's supposed to feel. Is it? All right. Then the effect (laughs) was achieved. Yep. Yep. Yep.
And, you know, hopefully we'll get some people to pay attention to you on the interwebs and stuff like that. That's part of the goal. Yeah, get some more Twitter, You'll be famous. Get some more Twitter followers. That's what I'm looking for. So that's, that's awesome. Well, there you go. Now you, now you have some, and now you have, now your mom, now you can tell your mom you're really on the radio. I was on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you actually do, Greg? Like, um, is it just, uh, tutorials for Ray Wendelichting? No, it's gotta be something else. Uh, that is kind of my full-time job. I, I, I really? worked on a couple of yeah. apps them okay and i look after a couple of the teams there and yeah i do write and do the videos so yeah that is my full-time job now fantastic yeah. well that's awesome yeah. yeah greg is one of the one remember i was telling you there's a cir- bunch of circles of of influence around so uh-huh. uh, there's ray, ray and vicky of course and then then there's a uh, there's a core team greg <laughs> is one of them nick pringle christine and uh, brian moakley right yeah. and that you guys are the guys that work for raiseware specifically yep, that's right and then, then the rest of us are on the team. You know, there's writers and editors and uh, various assigned. Greg's, Greg's one of the editors as well. So, so there we go. And so, yeah, like I said, it, you know, I find Greg to be useful as, as our sort of tutorial maven. I can sort of ask him if there's such and such a tutorial. And he'll go, yeah, it's somewhere there. Here's the link. <laughs> it's all up here. I'm pointing to my head, of course. It's all up here, you know, all those years of working yeah. on the site. So, yeah. And you and you so you did the videos for um, WatchKit and you did Auto Lego, I think. I did that. I'm doing adaptive layout right now. Yeah, I did WatchKit. I did layout. the app extensions. Was the other one I did app extensions. And then the, the scroll one, yeah. views was the marathon. I forget 22 parts or something like that on scroll views. But wow. those are with with Auto layout, That's a goddamn nightmare. Oh yeah, Auto layout in, inside the scroll view. Yeah, Apple actually has Jesus. a separate tech note that I came across yeah. about it. Oh, that, God, that's very yes. good about Very you know. familiar with it. <laughs> I was like, wow, they came oh. with a tech note just for that. But I guess I can imagine the auto layout team and the scroll view team when they came out with auto layout, just, you know, what is auto layout? Is it the bounds of the thing or is it the content view or is it the total content size? What the hell is it? And them just arguing over and over. But it, wow. it, it mostly sometimes works. So it's not too bad. Yeah, I was. Just, <laughs> that's what I was fighting with last night, actually, with my app right now. It's uh, And I won. Woohoo! You know who helped me? It was Natasha the Robot. Oh, uh, good old Natasha the Robot. Oh. She's so wonderful. Yeah. I think the trick oh. always, I think this is her trick too, but the trick I always use is to put a view inside the scroll view. Is that what you did? Yeah. yeah. You yeah, need you a container, that. right? Yeah. yeah, that's the yep, trick. Yep, yep. Whenever anyone posts on the forums or asks me anywhere, they're like, I'm trying to do a scroll view and I have these three buttons. I stop and I say, are they inside the yeah. container? And they say no. Mm. And I say, put them in a container and then you will not be sad anymore. Hopefully. But that's not the only step you got to yes. take. <laughs> A white, boy. A mm-hmm. white one? Yeah. 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 I'd have a white MacBook Pro if they actually still had it. No, he says, the point is, it's not, it, he's, I say white. And oh, did I say white, cool whip white. kind of thing? Did I say, yeah, instead cool of white? Whip, yeah. Cool whip, yeah. White or yeah. white. Cool whip. Yeah. So is that is that a Family Guy reference or is that Will Wheaton? Um, yeah, Family Guy family for sure. Guy. I've seen it. I don't or know if that's the source. Was Family Guy referencing something else? I, I, I yeah, the, I mean, cool, we, cool whip. No, cool, uh, cool whip. Cool whip. whip. Is that Stewie? I guess right. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. That'll get cut. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, look, we have some internal testers around the team, and we have some external testers. And whenever I do a build and send it to test flight. Apple's test flight, um, it sends it out right away. I used to prefer to with hockey app, but with test flight, I would download it to my phone and make sure it was all kosher before I would send it out to the team. Right. So I find that kind of annoying. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I would second that as well with a similar kind of problems. And maybe I'm just missing something. I find that the new test flight is a little bit harder to use in general right. than the old uh -huh. one was. And maybe I'm just missing a setting that says, you know, please do not send these automatically until I oh, yeah, add yeah, good. the particular groups or testers. Settings, please. Okay. There's no okay. settings in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> not kidding. There's no settings in this thing. Like it's no, not configurable in any way. It just works the way it works. That's the joy of Apple, mm -hmm. right? They have yeah. it set, set it and forget, or not even forget it. Set it, yeah. they'll set it and you forget it. Pretty much. Exactly. You pretty much, yeah. They know what they're doing. No, they don't. As evidenced by Yosemite and iOS 8. Um, Greg. Come on, Greg. Do the intro. Let's do this thing. So do you know the part, do you know the, the, the uh, do you know the, the lingo we use? The lingo? He listens to, he's listened to 28 episodes. Well, I haven't listened to all 20, I'll admit I haven't listened to all 28. Oh, but, oh man. You're out. I, I can do my best Tim voice and I can try. You can, you okay. can edit it oh, out. I want to give her. Give her. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.